This is episode number 67, how to make positive changes to your life and diet with wellness guru, Kathy Freston. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories. I'm your hostess, Sonia Looney, and I'm a professional mountain biker, plant-based eater, and very interested in personal growth. And I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for coming back to the show every week. And if you're new, welcome. I think the second you feel like you're missing out is when you begin to backslide. And there's so much recidivism with people who go plant-based. And I think it's because they're trying to be perfect or they're shaming themselves because they're not perfect enough or they're not eating healthy stuff because they can't find it. And they think it's an all or nothing process. So this way it's like, no, just push forward to see how much good stuff you can find, add that into your diet, add that into your daily routines, and then there's gonna be no room for the old stuff. Speaking of veggies, I'm going to be speaking in September at two different conferences. The first one is the Veg Food Fest in Toronto, Canada, and it's the biggest veg food fest in North America with over 40,000 people that attend this event. I'll be speaking on September 8th, which is a Saturday. I have my own keynote speech, and I will also be appearing on an athlete panel with some pretty badass vegan athletes that I'm really looking forward to meeting. The other one is September 23rd in Penticton, British Columbia, called the Okanagan Health Forum. It's a one-day event, and people like Brenda Davis, who was one of my first podcast guests and who is a dear friend, she is one of the most notable vegan dietitians in the entire world. And also Dan and Sean Moskaluk, who were also on the podcast, telling their story of how they beat both obesity and cancer with a plant-based diet. So I will find ways to either stream or record these conversations that I'm going to be having. But if you're going to be there in person, we would love to see you. And I can't wait to connect. I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest, Kathy Freston. Kathy Freston has been on a path of wellness and helping people make positive changes to their lives for decades. She's a four-time New York Times bestseller and wellness activist, writing books like Clean Protein, The Lean, and Quantum Wellness. In fact, she is the author of eight books spanning the categories of relationships to ditching perfection to the future of protein. Kathy's impact has gone far and wide, appearing twice on the Oprah Winfrey Show, as well as other national shows like Ellen, The Dr. Oz Show, The View, Charlie Rose, and Good Morning America. She even inspired Oprah and her entire staff of over 300 people to go vegan for nearly a month. What I love about Kathy is her approach to making positive change. She's all about progress over perfection and helping people lean in to new habits. She is amazing at being non-judgmental and inclusive and basically everything that I want to be. In today's show, you'll learn how to crowd out bad habits, how to be more gentle with yourself, especially if and when you make a mistake, what a healthy lifestyle looks like, and about the future of protein. I can't say enough great things about Kathy, and it was so great to finally have a conversation with her. 
I've been following her for a while now, and it's always fun to put a voice and a conversation to a name. Another interesting thing that we talk about and something that I've been thinking about more and more lately is transitioning to getting rid of animal products that are in your daily lifestyle out. So like things like leather and other products that come from animals. And while I'm not quite there as a quote ethical vegan yet, I am trending in that direction and just trying to bring more awareness to my daily life with that. So it was really helpful to talk to her about that. Big shout out and thank you to our podcast sponsor, Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic makes functional mushroom products to help you be more productive, have more energy, and more focus throughout your day. And I love having a second coffee in the afternoon, but I've been replacing my second coffee with a Four Sigmatic adaptogenic mushroom mix. And they have all these different types of elixirs. So it depends on how I'm feeling that day. Like some days I will use the chaga mushroom mix, which I typically use in place of coffee because it gives you a boost of energy. Right now, right before I started recording this, I made lion's mane, which sounds kind of funny, but it helps improve focus. And I have noticed a difference. Like it's I was pretty skeptical, to be quite honest, whenever I heard of adaptogenic and functional mushrooms, like, yeah, right, that's not going to work. But whenever I tried it, I was really surprised that it does work. So if you want to try it for yourself, I have a 15% off discount code. You can find it at your local retailer as well if you want to support your local shop. But my code is Sonia Looney. That's just my name, S-O-N-Y-A-L-O-O-N-E-Y. And that's for 15% off. And their website is foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash Sonia Looney, and you'll get that discount. And I'd love to hear what you think about it. And again, if you want to buy it at a local retailer, you can get it from a health food store. Before the podcast sponsorship, before I had them send me some, I was buying it from Nature's Fair, which is a health foods regional chain in British Columbia. If you're enjoying the show, I'd really appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes on your computer. And it's really easy to do. If it's on your phone, go and open up the app and go to my podcast. Scroll all the way down to the bottom. And at the very bottom, there is a purple text that says write a review. And in iTunes, just open it up and go to ratings and reviews, which is the center menu on the right hand screen. And you can leave it there. I'm trying to get up to 200 reviews. We are at about 112 in the United States and we're at 22 in Canada. So I would absolutely love it and really appreciate it if you're enjoying the show, if you could take just a few minutes to do that. Another way you can contribute to my work if you're interested is through Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding website and it's a way to contribute a few bucks financially every single month to help the growth of the show. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who are doing so There's about 25 to 30 people, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, who are doing that, and that just means the world to me, and I I thank you so, so much. If you want to do that, go to patreon.com slash the Sonia Looney Show, or go to the show notes, and there is a link there. All right, let's get into this. This is Kathy Freston. Hope you enjoy it. Kathy Freston! Hey! I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, Hey, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I've been following your career and you have done so much for the health and wellness space. It's incredible. Oh, that's really nice of you to say. I think there is a rise in interest for sure around not only wellness, but healthy eating, plant-based eating, all of that stuff. So it's been a fun journey. 
So all of us tend to find our, our journey here in different ways. So how did you start finding that you're interested in wellness, in mental health, and in diet? Well, I always write about what I'm interested in for myself. It's like they say, therapists are people who were seeking therapy and <laughs> need help themselves. And in the same way, I was always looking for ways to feel better in my body, happier in my brain, more well-adjusted in my relationships. So it only made sense that I would start writing about things that I wanted to spend some time exploring or had spent some time exploring. So I had written two books on relationships, how to be more awake and conscious in relationships. And then the third book, I had been sort of recently on this path to getting more aware and awake around food. And I realized that I didn't have a lot of consciousness around the food that I ate. I mean, I was here, I am talking to people about being awake and aware in their relationships and in their work and all of that stuff. And I just thought I'm such a hypocrite, you know, because I don't really know what goes into my food. I kind of knew if I'm really honest with you, I kind of had an idea because I had picked up several books over the years and promptly slammed them shut. <laughs> so it's not that I had no awareness around it. It was that I had kind of an unwillingness to go deeper into it. And I just thought, okay, Kathy, you're a hypocrite if you don't take a deeper dive. So I did that and I was really disturbed by what I saw, how animal food got to us. And then the inconvenient truth was, you know, sitting right in front of me. And as much as I love to eat what I ate growing up and enjoying with my friends, it no longer seemed palatable, both to my taste buds, nor to my sense of decency. So I just kind of leaned away from eating animal foods. And it took me a while and I didn't know what I was going to do. And um, I just kind of set my intention and nudged myself forward to start exploring what kind of foods were not coming from animals. And that was kind of what prompted the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's hard sometimes when people are looking at making changes in their life because a lot of times it seems like it's a black and white choice. And if they go one direction, then they're worried about, well, what happens if I change my mind? And I love a lot of the information and writing you've done because it's about how to make progress whenever you're making changes. Yeah, I'm a big believer in progress, not perfection, which comes from the 12 steps, by the way. That's one of their slogans, progress, not perfection, because same with addiction, you know, I, and I do believe we're addicted to animal foods. I think that we kind of know that they're not great for us, not great for the planet. And we keep doing it anyway, just like an alcoholic keeps drinking. It's like, it's fun. It feels good. It kind of then doesn't feel good, but we can't really stop. And it's all around us and we get lazy. And so by giving yourself the space to say, well, I'm not going to figure it all out at once. I don't want to say I'm never in my whole life going to have another pork chop. I don't want to ever in my life say I'm going to stop doing this forever because uh, who knows? And so when I gave myself that space, like an opening, like, you know what? You love a tuna fish sandwich. If you want a tuna fish sandwich, you can have one. And I found that once I gave myself the space to mess up, 
or go backwards a little bit. I ended up not messing up <laughs> and not going backwards as much. And now, of course, I'm 100% vegan. It's been many, many years. But I remember the last thing that I had was after probably two years of being vegan, and I had just craved a tuna sandwich. That was my favorite thing, a tuna sandwich with potato chips and a Diet Coke. And I snuck into a store, you know, snuck in. It's like no one was watching me, but I I felt guilty. But I was like, I'm going to have a tuna fish sandwich. And you know what? I got it home. I ate it. And it was like, it was fishy. My taste buds had changed. You know, my sensibilities had changed. But I'm so glad that I gave myself the chance to have it and to realize, eh, I don't want it anymore. It's It doesn't have a hold on me anymore. And that's just been sort of a thing that's worked for me because discipline is too hard. It's like white knuckling your way through it. If you say, I'm just never going to have something again, it creates a craving for it. It creates a fondness and a specialness about it. And I just think that if you take that away and say, I'm just going to have fun exploring what kind of non-animal foods are out there and get on social media, try some new recipes, frequent some new, you know, restaurants. And it then is like a sport. Then it becomes more fun rather than a hardcore discipline that's a drag. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times we're really critical and judgmental of ourselves and that mirror reflects on other people. So if we're really judging ourselves, we tend to be harsher judging other people as well. And I think that in the vegan community, like even amongst people who claim to be vegan or plant-based, which there can be a scope of what people's use of animal products are. And there's, there's a lot of judgment there. So like, what advice would you give people on how to not be so worried about that and not to also how to avoid being judgmental of others? Well, the first thing is to consider what it feels like on the other side, because most people didn't pop out of the womb vegan. I mean, if you did, you're lucky your parents were awesome. But I would say the vast majority of us did not pop out of the womb vegan. And it was a process getting here. So think back on how when you used to eat or wear animal products. And if somebody were screaming at you or judging you or in your face or challenging you or shaming you, you would probably reject the whole philosophy along with the messenger because that's what we as humans do. We either like the messenger and we listen to what they're saying or we don't and we reject it. So I just think of, you know, what worked for me was an openness by a few friends of mine saying, yeah, don't worry about it. And, you know, they didn't like preach to me, but I was just around them and I would notice what they ate and I would notice how they lived. And I noticed how strong they were and attractive they were. And that was very influential on me. So I try to bring that into my activism and advocacy is to be as kind and as healthy and as cool and fun as I can be without being in someone's face because it wouldn't work with me, you know? And as far as judging yourself, it's the same thing. It's like as soon as you start shaming yourself, shame is a powerful thing and it doesn't always do (laughs) what the person intending it to do wants it to do. So you shame somebody or you shame yourself you're likely to keep doing and getting the same result. So I think it's all about 
setting your intention, leaning in, exploring, having fun. And, you know, if you're the activist is setting a good example of being chill and cool and wonderful to be around. And then people will sort of, you know, be interested, but you have to genuinely be that way. I mean, it's hard because I know when I first started, uh, getting this whole stuff, I wanted to scream from the rooftops. It's like, oh my God, you know, animals are treated this way. It's so horrible. You want to scream at the person next to you that's eating veal. Like, how could you? But remember, you know, you used to eat steak or I did anyway. I used to do all this stuff and I didn't know until I knew. And so what's going to make that person wake up? It's not someone screaming at them. It's probably them, you know, seeing a really warm and attractive person who is cool and someone that they admire. So I think that the more we can inject that into our activism, the better. Yeah, it's interesting using the word activism, because I think that that word can be a bit inflammatory. And I like what you said about that is it doesn't have to be this like really harsh, crazy person. An activist can just be someone who's really passionate about helping spread a good message in the world, but do it in an inclusive and nice way. Yeah. And an activist doesn't have to be, you know, your circle of activism can be two people. I mean, it could be your family. It could be it doesn't even have to be, you know, it certainly doesn't have to be a wide range of social network, uh, being part of a movement. It's just, it's just activating yourself in your own life. I mean, personally, I am always trying to tweak myself to be a little bit more involved in better communication, nonviolent communication. How do I say things better? How do I get through a conflict, you know, in a more evolved way? So it's like an unfolding process through the years. And you mentioned that your early books were about relationships. Where did that come from? Well, it came from, I was in a very dysfunctional relationship. And I remember thinking, I wish that there were a book about how to get out of a relationship. So I wrote a book about how to get out of a dysfunctional relationship. And that was never published. But I had met my agent through there. And, and then time it had evolved. And he said, well, why don't you write something on uh, getting into a good relationship? And so that's what I did. And it was really about not looking for a soulmate. We think we're looking for a soulmate of that particular person, but it's really about looking at yourself and learning to communicate better and getting your own shit worked out so that you don't attract people back into your life that reflects that stuff. So anyway, it was really about finding love that works for you and then how to deepen the relationship, how to have a more conscious and evolved relationship. Yeah. And I mean, I look at your relationship now that you have with Dan Butner and you guys seem like a match made in heaven. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> He's pretty great. He's pretty great. You know, it wasn't easy at first because he lived in Minnesota and I lived in California. You know, he still had kids in school. I was still going through a divorce. So it's not like, you know, these two people just collided and everything was perfect. It's still a process and there's still always stuff to evolve through. But he and I are very much the same in our vision for life, what we want to, you know, experience in life, what's important to us, what our values are to an extent. 
he has other things that he's interested in and as do I, but yeah, we're really well matched and it wouldn't have happened had I not gone through, you know, the divorce that I went through, he had the same thing. He had, he went through a divorce and, you know, those are very painful things that nobody wants to go through. But I think that it's like the hero's journey. You don't get to the gold until you go through the darkness. And that's kind of what we both did. And we found each other. I love that idea of having no regrets, because if you change something in your past, you wouldn't be where you are or who you are today. Very well said. Absolutely. And as much as I've been through a few things and I, I just think, oh, my God, at the time I would have loved, loved, loved for it to never have happened. But now looking back on it, I'm like, I'm stronger. My skills are sharpened. I'm much more resilient. I'm less fearful because I know I can get through anything. Certain situations don't scare me like they used to. So, you know, all of this stuff, it doesn't come easily. It comes through life challenges that nobody wants to deal with. You know, I mean, divorce is definitely not for sissies. I hope you've never been through one. But it's like I I can't believe they're as common as they are because... (laughs) They're so hard. It's so hard. It is just so heart-wrenching. But you know what? My ex-husband and I are friends now after many years, and we can look at each other and say, you know what? This was the best thing, and I'm glad it happened for both of us. And that took a while, but, you know, it happens if you want it to happen. Yeah, and I, I think that talking about your book, Quantum Wellness, is a really great segue from that conversation because it seems like some of those pillars you'd really have to use to get through any challenge in your life. So do you want to talk about that book a little bit? Well, Quantum Wellness was really about just getting through all kinds of challenges, whether it's through relationships or illness or work stuff, conflicts, all kinds of stuff. So how do you get stronger is to build a foundation and have these pillars in your life with the meditation, self-reflection, conscious eating, which was about eating plant-based, just sort of, you know, working consciously, all kinds of stuff. So these are the pillars of a relationship that not only affect your life, but also your work and everything. Yeah. And having that, that self-work, that relationship that you have with yourself really helps you have positive relationships with other people. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, I just closed the door because Dan just walked in from a bike ride. He's unpacking. We're going to have a little happy hour with our neighbors. We're very blue zones over here. I love that. Yeah, like the community aspect of the Blue Zones. Um, And for those of you listening who aren't familiar with Dan's work, definitely check out Blue Zones. It's about the places in the world where people live the longest and are the happiest. And also check out Blue Zones of Happiness. But yeah, the community aspect is something that I realized that I was sort of lacking in my life. So that's been a real inspiration to me. Yeah, it makes a difference. We moved up to um, Santa Barbara and we live on a street with a lot of neighbors, whereas before I was more isolated. I lived on, on a hill kind of out, you know, lots of land around and I didn't know my neighbors. And Dan said it was really important for him to live near a city that he could bike into and that we had good neighbors and we had friendly relationships all around us. And so we found this place up here. That's kind of what it is. We bike into town and all of our neighbors are good friends now, kind of do potluck dinners. And 
have a happy hour a couple times a week. And it's a, it's a really nice thing to feel connected to your community. And I don't think I had that before. So that's the live, that's the blue zones aspect of our life. And then as far as the community, the plant-based community, that is just on fire right now. It's just so great because there's so many restaurants, there's vegan meetups, there's all kinds of events, whether it's for an animal organization or, you know, where people can go and schmooze it up and dress up and meet people who are like-minded. And it's just one of those communities that's getting stronger and more diverse and more interesting and more powerful. So I'm really happy to be a part of that. That's so cool. So I want to talk about crowding out the foods that aren't as good for you. And that's something that my husband and I try and use because even whenever you eat a plant-based diet, if you're not eating whole foods, the junk food can creep in. And I admit that it creeps into my diet sometimes. So I try to add in healthier things that way it crowds out the others. But I've heard you talk at great length about this and I would love for you to just chat about that. Well, to me, that's like the biggest thing you can do. If you're trying to get healthier and move toward a plant-based diet or really, you know, any kind of move in your life is to crowd out the old uh, rather than cutting it out. So if I were going to go about like trying to eat less animals or become vegan, I would normally you say, oh my God, I can't have cheese anymore. I can't have meat. That's all can't have and discipline and all, all sort of withholding. And you, you just feel deprived. Whereas when you say you're crowding it out, it means I'm not going to say I'm cutting out anything. Instead, I'm just going to go find stuff that I love. So I love cheese and crackers at the end of the day with a glass of wine I'm not going to say I can't have cheese anymore. I'm going to say, oh my God, let me see what kind of plant-based cheeses there are, nut cheeses. And I'm going to make it really bountiful at my table and try all this stuff that makes me feel that I'm not missing out on anything. You know, I'm going to try these recipes that are hearty tacos. I'm going to have burgers and I'm going to have thick bean soups with, you know, a really colorful salad or whatever it is that makes me feel happy and well-fed and nourished and feeling like I'm not missing out on anything. Because I think the second you feel like you're missing out is when you begin to backslide. And there's so much recidivism with people who go plant-based. And I think it's because they're trying to be perfect or they're shaming themselves because they're not perfect enough or they're not eating healthy stuff because they can't find it. And they think it's an all or nothing process. So this way it's like, no, just push forward to see how much good stuff you can find, add that into your diet add that into your daily routines. And then there's going to be no room for the old stuff. In terms of like weight loss, I talk about it in my book, The Lean, that when you have lots of fruit, for instance, I always have an apple and peanut butter for a snack. For instance, I always have my smoothie for a snack, you know, mid-morning. For instance, I have a lot of water, so I'm never thirsty. So the more of this good stuff that I put into my system the less room I have for that gnawing little craving for a chocolate bar or a cookie. And I'm not saying I'm not going to have a cookie or a chocolate bar or a piece of cake or anything. It's just I'm going to have all this other stuff first. So instead of deprivation, I'm crowding it out. There's like no room. After I've had all my delicious snacks and all my healthy stuff, my body chemistry has changed. You know, my blood sugar is evened out. 
the fiber has filled me up and satiated me and straightened out my hormones. And suddenly I'm like not craving the piece of cake. I'm not, you know, dying for the pizza because I'm eating good food. And so it comes in a joyful way and an abundant way rather than a white knuckle deprivation way. Yeah, there's this book called The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal, I think is the author. And it's just about how willpower is a muscle. And the more times we try and restrain ourselves, we just get tired and you just can't do it after a certain period of time. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then you beat yourself up for failing. And then you throw up your hands and you say, I can't do it. It just didn't work for me. And then a lot of people say, I just, I felt bad. I didn't feel good. Well, you didn't feel good because you weren't putting good things into your body. You were just starving yourself and not knowing what to eat. So instead of going full throttle vegan, like just take your time and find things that are easy to make, you know, restaurants that have delicious dishes that you can order when you're out with your friends, find the stuff that's easy and affordable and accessible that you love. And then little by little, you're not going to have any room for the old stuff. So what is your go-to smoothie? You mentioned that that's your snack on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. So I toggle between three. I either have coconut water with peanut butter and frozen banana, or I have frozen strawberries and pineapples and almond butter, or I have frozen, well, I have a Vega sport and everything. And then I have whatever frozen fruit I can find. I just keep that and also broccoli and kale and all of that stuff. Yeah, I think people don't realize you can throw like entire chunks of broccoli in a smoothie. As long as it's frozen for me, I love it. it because if I put in fresh stuff, I taste it. And then oh. it's, then it's pretty awful. It tastes like a lawnmower, but if it's frozen <laughs> or make when you, when I guess your taste changes and you can take vegetables more easily, then definitely try it fresh. But for me, I'm better with frozen vegetables because I don't even taste it. So I, I go between the broccoli, the kale and spinach. I get my five servings of fruits and vegetables in that one smoothie. So if I, you know, am kind of lax the rest of the day and I'm not eating super duper healthy, at least I can know that I got all that stuff. And of all the things you've learned through, because you're noted as a self-help entrepreneur, like, do you think diet is the best possible thing people can do to feel better in their lives? I think so. Yeah, because eating a plant-based diet or being vegan-ish or certainly being vegan is going to make you feel better in your body. And it's going to make you feel happy because you just do. You feel happy because you know you're doing something great for the environment. You know you're doing something great for the animals. You're happy because you're feeling more energy. You're getting sick less or none. You feel like you're kind of on track with your values. And that does make you really happy. So how did you eliminate using animal products altogether? And this is like a personal question for myself because I initially changed my diet for health reasons. And it's inevitable that as you do more and more research and just dive deeper into the lifestyle, you start realizing that, wow, like my leather couch over there, like that was an animal. (laughs) Um, So how did you work on phasing those things out? Because that's something that I want to do and I'm working on, but I'm having a hard time doing it. 
I think you do it the same way as you do with the food and that's crowding out rather than cutting out. So, you know, I remember when I was giving up leather shoes, it was like, oh my God, I just want that gorgeous pair of, you know, whatever it was that I saw. And then it was a craving that was so intense. I just couldn't, I couldn't say no because I wanted these shoes. But instead of going at it that way, I said, you know what? I'm going to just start exploring other designers that have stuff that's non-leather. And so I'm going to, you know, obviously Stella McCartney is unbelievable and it's very expensive, but you can get it on eBay and you can find stuff on the real real and, and stuff like that. So it's not, you can always find deals, but there's also fun stuff. Like some of my favorite loafers are from Payless. You know, they're super comfortable. They're called, um, Dexflex. And then you can go on Zappos and put in vegan shoes or faux leather and a ton of stuff comes up. If you go online, there's lots of great designers. I just started an Instagram account called The V Report where I'm listing all kinds of non-leather stuff, fashion bags and shoes and cruelty-free cosmetic stuff. So it's just because you want to go that way doesn't mean you have to go there overnight and same with food. And if you just make it fun and an adventure and see what you can find, then it's great. Yeah. For me, what, what kind of made me start thinking that way is I was on a bike ride and there's a lot of farms around where I live. I live in Kelowna, British Columbia, and there's orchards and farms and all these great things. And I saw these pigs and I, I rolled up to where the pigs were and I just started talking to them and I had never spent time with, with animals. Like even growing up, I didn't really have pets. So I just haven't actually spent time with animals. And whenever I saw the, like the look in the pig's eye, like it saw me, it heard me, it ran over. And then when I went back the next time it recognized me and I thought, Oh my gosh, yeah. like, I'm glad I'm not eating this animal, but yeah. like animals have feelings and recognition and we assign only to household pets, those, those things when really all animals have those thoughts and feelings. Oh, totally. You're so right. That was a great story because, you know, it's like I always look at animals and if we knew them, we'd love them. You know, it's a somebody, not a something. And if we knew that calf that became the cow, we'd love them. We wouldn't want to kill them. Same with the pig, same with the chicken. You know, chickens, they almost purr softly. They have this lovely, soft little chirping sound. And, um, you know, when you think about that, when you see one animal and you just think, well, that's not unlike my dog or my cat. You just don't want to eat it anymore. And that's part of, you know, you were asking me, what's the overall happiness, wellness thing you can do? It, it makes you so happy to know you're not contributing to an animal's suffering, an animal's pain, and that you're just living your life in a way that feels like you're on track with your values. That feels just so good. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing. I, I don't know like what to call it. You might want to call it karma, but it's like, if you don't eat animals, then you're not contributing to harming the environment. You're not contributing to animal cruelty and you're also healthier because of it. So sometimes I think, well, if you're eating all these animal products and as a result, you're getting sick and dying prematurely, that's almost karma. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll stay away from that because we don't, we don't want to blame people. It's like, you know, my family, my brothers, they, they eat a lot of meat and, you know, 
they think I'm crazy and I hope that they get it one day. I still love them, even, you know, that I wish that they wouldn't eat that way and I hope they don't get sick. But, you know, definitely a bad diet does show up with uh, you're going to more likely to have heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, you know, certainly obesity. All of this stuff comes from a high animal diet. So, yeah, whether it's karma or cause and effect or consequences, I don't know, but it's definitely a process you know, figuring out the stuff. And a lot of people get it when they get sick. A lot of people have a heart attack. They go to their doctors. The doctor says, you know, you got to stop eating animal fat and you got to eat more plant-based and lots of fiber. And it's like, God, why don't they tell that to people when they're still healthy? Why does it come afterwards? But, um, you know, that's sometimes someone's path. Yeah. And pain is a great motivator for people. Yeah, that's for sure. It's a motivator for me. I was heavier when I used to eat meat and I was tired and I was crankier and I had acne and, uh, you know, what motivated me to become vegan was the ethical stuff. But I have to tell you, knowing that I I was going to feel so much better and live longer and lose weight and all that stuff, that was pretty motivating too. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's amazing what happens in your body whenever you start changing your diet. Now, I want to talk about your newest book, Clean Protein. So tell everybody what it's about and what inspired you to write that one. My writing partner and I, Bruce Friedrich, he is the co-founder of the Good Food Institute. And we were out at dinner one night at this fantastic restaurant, Crossroads in Los Angeles. And um, I said, you know, you should write a book called The Future of Protein. And he said, that's a great idea. We should do it together. And I was like, ah, I don't (laughs) want to write another book right now. He says, well, I'm not going to do it without you. So we teamed up and we changed the name to Clean Protein. And we wrote the book because there's so much obsession with protein. I mean, the industries, the animal industries, you know, chicken, dairy, poultry, the fish industry, all these industries are pumping the message out there that we need protein, 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 and people are buying it, hook, line, and sinker, pardon the metaphor, <laughs> and um, and they're getting sicker from it. And it's like, it's, it's this crazy obsession. So in the book, we wanted to talk about protein and delineate what makes a protein clean and what makes it not so clean. And so just like energy, clean energy, you know, we're hopefully beginning to opt for clean energy. Well, current politics aside, but clean energy is something that is wind and solar and you still get just as much of a good performance or even better without all the dirty, the oil stuff. It's the same with protein is you want to get your good protein, but you don't want to have all the fallout, the cholesterol, the saturated fat. So old forms of protein from animals, you're getting saturated fat, cholesterol, pathogens like E. coli, salmonella, campylobacter. You are getting all kinds of pollution in the environment because it creates so many global warming gases. Livestock pollutes the water. It 
you know, sucks up all of our resources. Uh, we cut down rainforest so we can do cattle grazing and grow feed for animals. So there's a lot of stuff that comes along with animal protein that's just dirty. That's dirty for our bodies. That's dirty for the environment. It certainly weighs heavily on the soul. And so when you opt for clean protein, which is lentils and beans and whole grains and nuts and soy products and things like that, your body is getting tons of fiber, which literally cleans you out, keeps you clean. You're not weighed down by all that cholesterol. It has vastly less saturated fat, and you certainly don't get all those pathogens. So you just feel cleaner and lighter, but your performance is just as good and even better when you consume it. Yeah. And I think that there is a misconception as to how much protein we actually need to eat as as people who are sedentary and also people who are athletes. Like, what is your equation for that? Well, the great news when you eat a plant-based diet, and as long as you're eating healthy, whole food plant-based diet is you don't have to measure because you're going to get enough. You know, it's like breathing. You know, if you take a breath, you're going to get enough air because that's what the body does. And so if you're hungry, you're going to eat healthy things. I mean, as long as you're not eating potato chips and Oreos, just because those are vegan, you're not going to have to count grams. But basically, somewhere between 48 to 52 grams. That's the average protein that you need. Some people would say a lot less. Um, Some people would say if you're a super athlete, you need a little bit more. But I would say that if you're eating things like, you know, peanut butter on toast and, you know, some avocados, you're doing whole grain rice, you're having lentil soup, you're doing smoothies, you're, you don't have to count, you're going to get everything that you need, basically. Yeah. And especially after reading Dan's books, like beans is something I try to have in my diet every day. And I'm sure you guys eat a lot of beans at home. Oh my God. It is so great to be with a Sicilian man who likes to cook. You know how (laughs) you're so lucky. Oh, I'm so lucky. Don't think I don't know it. Yeah. Sometimes I come out for coffee in the morning and I see him chopping onions and carrots and he's already getting the base ready for his soup. And he'll make a good bean soup probably two or three times a week and I'll make a giant pot of it. And then we eat that for a couple of days and we put a bunch in those little sort of glass containers with a a sealed plastic top and we put them in the freezer. And then anytime you're on the go or you want something quick, you just take it out and microwave it or thaw it and put it in a pan. And it's just really delicious, hearty bean soup. And nothing makes you feel better than that. And, you know, as as far as the bean situation, like a lot of people are like, oh, I can't eat beans. You can. When you start eating more fiber, if you're not used to it, your body will sort of rebel at first. But it'll be like, oh, my God, that's a good thing. You're just kicking things into gear. You know, you're pushing things through that have been stagnant. Your body's learning to digest this stuff. It takes maybe a month and you get used to it. You can take Beano if that, you know, a digestive enzyme, if you think that helps. And uh, also, if you cook the beans fairly well so that they're soft, they're easier to digest. But personally, I've just never had a problem with it. I like everything, and so does Dan, and we're very happy. Yeah, I can say for me, when I first changed my diet and started eating more beans, there was gas, but then that went away, and I don't have that problem anymore. 
And like I had Matt Resigno um, on the show a while ago, and he said that people just don't chew it enough. So to chew your beans all the way through. Yeah. And any food, anything, especially when there's fiber involved, the digestion starts in the mouth, you know, so that's when you, you want to chew it really well and, you know, not rush through it. And then you digest really well. I mean, sometimes, listen, I, I wolf down a Beyond Burger like nobody because it's just so damn good. But yeah, it's, it's just something your body gets used to. And speaking of protein, like tofu, soy products, those types of things. I get questions from people all the time about this, like, oh, is this bad for me? And I know that you have a lot of knowledge on that. So I'd love for you to describe like what your experience is with soy and what your knowledge base is on, is it good for you or not? Well, I'm not a dietitian or a doctor, so I would refer you to um, Dr. Greger's uh, nutritionfacts.org and Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. They've wrote, both of these organizations have written extensively on it. And what I can tell you from what I understand is that I have read a gazillion studies and Soy is absolutely fine. Just looking from the blue zones, people have been eating soy for thousands of years and they had far, far, far fewer incidences of cancer and heart disease and things like that. The healthiest women in the world, the longest living women in the world are from Okinawa, Japan, and they eat soy all the time, tofu all the time. It's a very different kind of estrogen. It's a plant estrogen. It's a phytoestrogen. It's a different shape of it. And it actually protects you against your own estrogens. So like Dr. Andrew Weil would say, I called him once and I told him a girlfriend of mine had was just diagnosed with breast cancer. And he said, make sure she eats a lot of soy because studies show that women who consume soy after diagnosis actually heal faster and stay healthier than people who avoid soy. So all of this to say, don't be afraid of soy. I'm not in the soy promotion commission. I don't care if anyone eats soy. You don't need it. You definitely don't need it to uh, be healthy. But the industries, the animal industries have a vested interest in you believing that soy is bad because soy is pretty much the ideal thing to replace meat. You know, it's so full of protein. It's just super high in protein and it is tasty and creamy in coffee and it makes great cheeses. So they sort of discredited soy and continue to do so so that everybody's afraid of it. Again, you know, I have it all the time. It doesn't matter if you don't like it, you don't like it, but I definitely wouldn't be afraid of it. I love that. And Whenever I first saw the title for your book, I ignorantly thought this is about some of these meats that are being grown in laboratories and maybe, and then I, and then I I read more. I was like, oh, that's not what it's about at all. But what do you think about that? I love it. I mean, they're not doing it for people like me. It's called clean meat. And so clean meat is basically real animal flesh. It's real animal meat that is grown from cells of an animal in basically a brewery situation. The situation is like, um, right now it is probably in like a laboratory because it's still in the beginning phases, but they will 
be producing meat at a larger scale that is exact. It's the same thing as chicken flesh and duck and steak and all of that stuff. But there's no harm to the animal because an animal was not killed, penned up, tortured, nothing. Just these few cells were taken from an animal and they can feed it nutrition and then they these cells reproduce and it grows into real animal meat. So there's no cruelty. There's no environmental fallout because you're not having the animals eat all this stuff and you don't have to slaughter them, which takes a lot of energy to refrigerate and transport and, you know, all of this stuff. It's just very simple meat that's grown right in a brewery. And I'm all for it. I mean, it's for me, it's like, why not? You know, it's for people who will never, ever be eating rice and beans. They would scoff at that. This is the perfect solution to go into restaurants and packaged foods and all kinds of stuff. They want meat. So this is meat. It's real meat. Will it be healthier? It'll be healthier in that there's no pathogens like E. coli and salmonella. I mean, E. coli is from an animal's colon. You know, that's why it's called E. coli. It's, you know, from sort of poop getting on stuff and contaminating it. But since there's no animal pooping for this stuff, there's no E. coli or salmonella or any of this stuff. So it's cleaner. And that's why we call it clean meat. And Bruce Friedrich, who's my co-writer, is the founder and director of the Good Food Institute. So he is so uh, all about promoting clean meat, funding it, getting it, you know, okayed legislatively, because that's a big game changer. People like me who already love rice and beans or whatever, you know, and the Impossible Burger, they don't care about me, but it's, it's the person who says, I can never give up my steak and I want real animal meat. That's what this stuff is for. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fascinating that we're able to do that. Isn't it? Yeah. We're able to do it. And of course, I mean, we're, there's all kinds of stuff that we're growing for, you know, our hearts and, you know, medication that's worked on in a lab. So it's not like a Frankenstein thing at all. It's really quite clean and technologically savvy. And it's a thing of the times that we know how to do it. And this can be done. So this could be a real game changer. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch how that evolves. Now, Kathy, I I have an interesting off-topic question for you. Like, you've been on so many different shows and in the media. You've been on Oprah multiple times. What is your favorite thing about going on some of these shows and connecting with these different people? Well, I mean, for instance, being on Oprah, when I was on for Quantum Wellness, you know, all of her producers were saying, do not talk about meat. You know, she was sued by the meat industry and it was a very traumatic experience, very expensive experience for her. So her producers were like, do not bring up meat. And I was like, fine, no worries. I won't talk about whatever Oprah wants to. I'll talk about meditation and self-work and being conscious in your relationships, no problem. So of course, Oprah being Oprah goes right into talking about veganism and animal cruelty and all of that stuff and conscious eating. And I loved that because she is someone who she represents her audience. You know, she taps into the same things that her audience is going to be interested in and she articulates it so well. So talking to her was like talking to 9 million people, you know, because she knows what to bring up that 
is going to be hard for people to understand or exciting for people or, you know, awkward or whatever. So I just loved that because she's so damn curious and interested in going deeper. And for Ellen, Ellen is, oh my God, she's, she, she and her wife, Portia are all about tweaking and getting better and healthier and kinder. You know, at the end of her show, she says, be kind to each other. She's all about kindness. So talking to them about eating a plant-based diet is just, again, it's like talking to 9 million people or however many, you know, they have in their, in their TV audience. It's just, it gets the message out there in exponential ways. And that just thrills me to no end. Does it make you nervous to go on the shows? Yeah. (laughs) As long as I think about it's 9 million people. Sure. For sure. I mean, I think the last Oprah show I did in her last season and it was huge, huge TV audience, you know, I mean, not there in the studio audience, but they just had a huge viewership. So yeah, I was really nervous. But then once you get up there, you're literally talking to one person, you're talking to Oprah or you're talking to Ellen and that because they are who they are because they are so good at just connecting with you. And so I would just sort of sink into the conversation with them. And I really love those women because they have changed the conversation because they've had the courage to talk about things when nobody else really wanted to on such a large scale. That's so awesome. Well, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Um, where is the best place for people to get in touch with you and also to buy your books? Oh, thank you. Well, I'm on Instagram, so feel free to message me there or kathyfreston.com if you want to send me a longer letter or have any questions or anything. My book is called Clean Protein. You can get it on Amazon or most bookstores. And there are eight books out there ranging from veganish to veganist to the lean to clean protein. So whatever you're interested in, hopefully I've got it covered. Awesome. And I just want to say thanks to you for all the amazing energy and work that you've put into the world over the course of your life and just the difference that makes and also what a great example you are for people like me and other people listening to this show because that's what it's about. It's about helping everybody be better and you do such a great job for that. You're so kind. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. And I would say back at you. So I'm so glad we're all in it together. I really am. Awesome. Thanks, Kathy. I still can't get over eight books that I'm I'm just trying to write one book and trying to write is a bit of an understatement. I haven't even started yet and I've been wanting to write a book. So I need to take my own advice and just get started on it. But I'm really inspired by Kathy and I want to read all of her books. I haven't read them all yet, but I think that they all have really great advice and really great value. So check them out. Her current book again is Clean Protein and the future of protein and how we do things in a plant-based world is something that we should all consider. If you like that, please take a screenshot and share it with your friends on social media. Tag me and tag Kathy Freston. We would both love to see it. And it's always such a treat to see feedback from the listeners. Thanks so much, you guys. I really appreciate it. And before you head off, I just want to say thanks again to our podcast sponsor, Four Sigmatic. 
Four Sigmatic putting wind in our sails with functional mushrooms. And if you want to check them out, they make, uh, if you're not interested in the elixirs, they make hot cocoa, they make coffees. Everything is super portable. And I really like taking it with me when I travel because on the plane, it's really easy to get a cup of hot water. You can dump it in and boom, you're ready to go. If you want to check them out, they're at foursigmatic.com slash Sonia Looney and use my name, Sonia Looney at checkout for a 15% discount. That's it, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so happy you're here. Wishing you all the best success in your training and adventures. And we'll see you right back here next week.